Next on BYU Sports Nation, the Billustrator Breakdown. ESPN's Jay Billis on why he labels BYU as Sweet 16 contender and the ceiling for BYU on the tournament seating line. Fresh Bracketology is out from ESPN. BYU's up a spot. How they can keep it. Plus, a karma surprise for BYU baseball. The Batcats with some late game dramatics for a top 25 foe in Arizona. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by... The BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us on this Tuesday, February 18th. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with executive historian of the BYU Sports Nation, Karma Jerem Jordan. We did 1,700 shows as of yesterday, so we've crossed that uh, important threshold that everyone talks about. The show 1701 is always the hardest show, so we're just going to have to battle through this one today. I don't know how we're going to do it. We're, we're just going to muster our way through it. The BYU Sports Nation Karma did add another chapter yesterday after episode 1700. Oh, that's what you're getting at. We'll get to yeah. that. We'll get to that in just a moment. I was like, what are we, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the thing here? <laughs> we'll worry about that in a moment. Here's today's show lineup. ESPN college basketball analyst Jay Billis on BYU's realistic shot to beat Gonzaga in Provo. What kind of a chance is he giving the Cougars? The latest tournament resume update for BYU hoops, plus a 19-time national champion in Studio B and our latest Top 5 Tuesday. It's Yoli Mania. Is that a thing? No. We, we can't really call it We like it Yoli, but it's not a thing, no. Okay. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. 23rd-ranked BYU men's basketball. Sounds good, doesn't it? Oh. Improves to a sixth seed in Joe Lenardi's new bracketology this morning. Whoa. The Cougars matched up with an 11-seed Cincinnati in St. Louis. BYU opponents Gonzaga, San Diego State, and Kansas, all one seeds. Houston, a seven seed. St. Mary's on that nine seed line. And Utah State sneaking in as a 12. The Cougars' March Madness push continues at home this Thursday when they host Santa Clara at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. Baseball upsets number 25, Oregon State, 4-3. And surprise, Arizona yesterday afternoon. Cougars were down 3-1 in the seventh before taking the lead on a hit-by-pitch from sophomore Zach Peterson. Freshman pitchers Cutter Clausen, great name. Your name is a pitch, and you're a pitcher? Bryce Robison and McKay Johnson close things out in the 8th and ninth innings. BYU's 2-2 two two after the opening weekend of games. Next up, four games at Cal Poly starting Thursday. BYU men's volleyball holding steady at number two in the latest AVCA polls after sweeping Grand Canyon University on the road last week. The Cougars host Concordia Irvine this Thursday at the Smith Fieldhouse, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, live on BYU TV and the BYU TV app with Jerem Jordan and Steve Vale on the call. Now look, you can watch the men's basketball game at the same time and be watching on the app or vice versa, right? So multi-screen situation, basketball and volleyball going in the same time. And ESPN's football power index is out. The Cougars are number 62. Uh, we'll discuss what we think about that. Between Louisiana Lafayette. Huh? Yep, that's where we want to be, said no one. And Arizona. Hi, AJ. The Cougars play five teams in the top 50 this season, beginning with uh, Utah, number 24, in 198 days. And this just in. Drew Brees has posted on Instagram that he is returning for the 2020 season for the Saints. What does this mean for Taysom Hill in, in restricted free agency? He says, I look forward to the grind and the journey. 
for the reward at the end will be worth it. That Love the refs you. will screw Poo us Dad again. Nation. Can't wait to have another <laughs> bad pass interference call. Yeah. Mess everything up in the playoffs. Yeah, and there'll be other plays that they didn't make, but just blame the refs. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, presented by Trio Senior Living. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. BYU basketball ranked for the first time in nine years. Relevant really? in a way for that first time since Jimmermania and improving their status in the latest bracket projections. A huge week ahead. BYU hosting an improved Santa Clara team. And then the game of the year, really, a top 25 showdown with number two Gonzaga, a sellout already announced for Saturday. Jerem, can 23rd-ranked BYU basketball earn a six-seed or better if they don't beat Gonzaga. No, I don't believe they can. I think BYU needs to be Gonzaga either Saturday or in Las Vegas should that happen on the Tuesday, what, three weeks from today, I believe. Um, that would it'd, it'd be nice to say yes, but I think BYU needs to be Gonzaga. Here's why they won't be a six. Sunday play. BYU could be a six or even a five on Selection Sunday, uh, but they'll probably drop a line just because of Sunday play stuff. Hopefully, when it first shakes out, BYU can sit in a nice Thursday-Saturday pocket where they're not an 8-9 seed. I almost don't care what seed BYU is unless they're 8-9. and nine. I Literally, 14, 1, whatever. If BYU is an 8-9, I'm going to be so mad. I don't think that BYU can get as high as a six. We'll ask Jay Billis what he thinks in terms of seed line as well. I'm hoping BYU can get to a six because a six eleven is great. Then you play a three or a fourteen, that's awesome. Even seven ten. Now you're playing a two. A two's pretty good. You're playing like Dayton. Like that's a team that's really good. Uh, a five through eight in terms of uh, you know kind of quality team there. Hopefully BYU can get as high as a six. I'd take a seven, but a six would be a really nice spot. Right now, seven seems like the most likely spot for BYU to land, but I do think BYU can earn a six seed even without beating Gonzaga because the league is better. Santa Clara's not great. That'll be a quad three win, but BYU at Pepperdine could potentially be a quad two game. Ken Palm has that as a B-tier game to close out the regular season. And then if BYU finishes second in a very solid West Coast conference and have that double bye, they most likely will get to play St. Mary's in Monday's semifinals in Vegas. And St. Mary's on a neutral site would be a quad one opportunity for BYU. If BYU can beat St. Mary's in a semifinal, avoid a slip-up against Santa Clara and Pepperdine, and look respectable against Gonzaga, and play Gonzaga again in the West Coast Conference Championship game in Vegas, yes, they'll be a sixth seed. They'll be right there. I don't see any reason why they would drop as long as they beat everybody else and then add another quad one win if they beat St. Mary's on a neutral court. Yeah, the resume is bolstered. So it's not just about two games against Gonzaga. A road contest against Pepperdine could be a quad two, and then likely St. Mary's in Vegas provides that opportunity. I know BYU lost in the semifinals. They're still in the tournament, but then they're in danger of dropping to that seven, yikes, maybe eight seed line. And uh, maybe Sunday play pushes them to a 10. Then it's okay. I would take that. I, I just think I would take it. Even if that happens, even if BYU is a 6, they could get moved down uh, because of Sunday play. When, when the tourney shakes out, it's not like, okay, this that's it. 
everyone's listed, right? One through 68. And then they say, okay, let's spread it out. And then they see, oh, we have the same conference playing each other in the second round. We got to move this team. Okay, now what does it look like? Oh, BYU is in a Friday, Saturday. We got to move them up. Oh, they, they, sh- they keep shaking it until it works. And I just think they're going to shake it where BYU is not going to be a, as high as a six. The dominoes start to fall depending on where the number one seeds play regionally. Right now, if right, all four of the top uh, teams. There's other nuances to it. I understand that, yeah. but ones determine where eight and nines are automatically. And if the ones are projected where they are now, the one, three of the ones will be playing on Friday, Sunday, which automatically eliminates BYU from that. And the other one is Spokane, which is Thursday, Saturday. And the committee's not going to want BYU in an eight, nine game to potentially play Gonzaga for a fourth time. No, they avoid conference matchups in the first two rounds. So just the top four need to keep winning because then they'll be where they want to be. So you don't want BYU to beat Gonzaga then? It, well, if, if is that what you're w- would that drop would that drop Gonzaga out of a number one seed potentially if they lost one time to BYU? But but they could they could uh, they're going to get another yeah quad one game coming up in Vegas it's, against St. Mary's or BYU. It's all very interesting. Hey, BYU beats Gonzaga though. Let's just play on Sunday. Could they flirt, could they be flirting with a five seed, <laughs> Jerem? If they beat Gonzaga, yeah, yeah. Now they're climbing, right? right. Topic two, Cougars ranked 23rd in the AP poll, first time in nine years. That metric doesn't show up on the tournament resume or team sheet. So uh, how does the ranking affect the resume in your opinion? It's funny how much better everybody feels, right? Oh, BYU is ranked. Why didn't you? It's it's validating. It is validating. But why didn't we feel validated with the net rankings, which... Because we're getting used to it. It's year two Are the most important rankings... Uh, when it comes to seeding for the tournament committee, and BYU's a top 20 team in Ken Palm, all these other writers have BYU in the top 25, but there is something about the national consensus and that validating feeling. So it's difficult to measure how much it helps, if it helps at all, in terms of like directly impacting tournament resume status. But I will say this, if you're ranked, naturally you're discussed more. And whether or not the committee wants to admit it, when a team is talked about more, they will hear it more because they're watching a ton of basketball and keeping an eye on everything. They hear BYU's name more, and thus a program is validated more. At this point, ranked BYU is a lock for the tournament. That status won't change as long as the Cougars finish second in the West Coast Conference regular season. So it's validating. It's nice for the exposure, and it's good for BYU's name to be heard by all of the people that matter the most. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't help at all. Like, it's nice to be discussed, but the, the committee isn't like, oh, BYU. They've been paying attention. During the regular season, they have phone calls every couple of weeks with the conferences, like once a month. And then near the end of the season, it starts to become weekly, and the conferences are lobbying for their people, or their teams, rather. So, and there's two committee uh, members assigned to every league. One is primary, one is secondary. They are watching and aware all season what's going on with these teams right so BYU is in the mix you're exactly right though the net ranking is in its second year so we are not using that as like the the end-all be-all the committee has its own top 25 it's called the net ranking yes, right they that have, matters the most they have a 353 uh, of all the teams BYU's been in that for what feels like a month right um but we're, we're still getting used to it. We're used to the eight people, so that's why it feels different, right? Um, at some point, we're going to say, hey, FPI greater than the coaches poll in football or something. You know what I mean? We'll get to that point. There are way more metrics in college basketball, which is fun. 
football, we're starting to get that direction. But the AP poll does not help BYU in its resume at all. BYU looks really good on the resume. In fact, I would, I would uh, suppose that even if BYU lost the last three to finish the regular season, the Cougars would still be in brackets. <laughs> Just barely, right? <laughs> even if they lost two quad threes. So far, so good. But BYU's got to take care of business against Santa Clara for sure, obviously. Play a great game against Gonzaga. Let's see if BYU can't upset the Zags at home. Granted, just a two-point game from Ken Palm. And then at Pepperdine's been a little tricky, right? You've been there. You called the game. I've, I've been in that gym. It's just just weird. So finish out strong. Go into Vegas as a two-seed for the first time in a couple years. Play on Monday, three weeks minus one day from tonight against St. Mary's, and let's go. Let, let, let's go. And then we go into Selection Sunday not going, ah, is BYU in, which would be awesome. We go, yes, they are. What seed? Just don't be an eight or nine. The most important Ranking and metric in college football is what happens in week nine or eight or whatever it is, the college football playoff poll, right? Right. Like that's the ultimate validating that's poll. The sl- that's the selection committee. That's the net in basketball. Yeah, they produce uh, right? a ranking that matters. Yeah. But that, that is yeah, the, net is the most polls. important ranking of all. And it's a, and here's the thing it's not an opinion poll, though, it's a mathematical poll. There's no opinion. They don't go, well, Dayton's third. They just crunch the numbers and boom. It's the it. opinion comes when they seed for the tournament. Yes. Now they're, now they're yes, quantify. Because you, you don't go just net, and, and it, yeah, there's shifting. And there's nuance. Like, BYU is a tricky team with no Sunday play. We've discussed actual rankings for the last 10 minutes in regard to BYU basketball. Now it's time for projected sort of rankings for BYU football. ESPN releasing the new Football Power Index preseason rankings for 2020 of all 130 FBS teams. BYU coming in at 62 in the preseason FPI. Jerem is 62. Too high, too low, or just right for BYU football? It's unfortunately just right. I think this season is a 7-5, and 6-6 six and six type of year given six power fives, two more than last year, right? And you're opening three or four on the road. Maybe that's a good thing for BYU, the way BYU's played on the road. I hope that BYU's like 8-4 and four and we feel better, but 62 is probably where you're at if you're a 6-6 six and six team, which I would pencil BYU in that way. I hope I'm super wrong with this. Just BYU shown over time to win 40% against power fives, and on the road, it's like in the 30th percentile. I don't want to be 62 between Louisiana, Lafayette, and Arizona. That stinks. I want to be in the top 40, realistically. Top 40 would be nice. Unfortunately for BYU over the last three years, they have a losing record against group of five teams as well, which is very, very disconcerting. 11, they have a losing record against a group of five teams? 11 and 12. Really? Yes. Why? I have so many questions. Really? Wow. 11, 11 and 12 against and group of five? 12 against a group of five over the last three years. Let's go back to the Mountain West, says the idiot. Nope. So BYU would go 6-6 six and six in that league, too? BYU gets up for these Power 5 games in a different way. You're right. And I'm coming around to your opinion of, you know what, the real issue is not the Power Fives, it's the Group of Five. Because if the Group of Five, you win, okay, now you're probably 8-4. and four. Yes. But when you stack six Power Fives on 2020, <laughs> now Power Fives is an issue, right? Because BYU is asking for 2-4 and four or 3-3, three and three, historically. The, yeah, the problem is the percentages in, in the Group of Five games, the win percentage in the Group of Five games, and the win percentage in the Power Five games is too close. So fi- so it's f- too close. Yes. So five, five Group of Five games. 
And you're saying BYU is like a 500 team in the last three years? Or yeah. below 500? Yes. So BYU, okay, just based on those numbers, that's not how it actually works, but let's just talk. BYU's Two and three? Two and three plus... An FCS. So three and three in the other six non-Power 5 games. Uh-huh. That's And then you're hoping for three and three in the other Power 5. Right, and BYU's been closer to 50% Why? in the Power 5 games over the last few years. Take care of a group of fives. In a way, listen, you're not going to win every single one. It's not at that level. But can you go four and two? Yeah. If you will. Please. No, 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 in the five. Three go, and go two. Go three and two and then three add the two. FCS win. And then you go 50% against Power Five and you're seven and five with a chance to win eight in a bowl game. I still just hate the standard. I know. Where we're going, I know. eight. Eight does nothing for anybody. <laughs> Nine even does nothing. But 10 is something, right? We've talked about how 10 is validating with uh, a ranking and whatnot. So tell me the games BYU is going to win. Utah in Salt Lake. Reloading. That's a tough one. Okay, this You is can't the, say that's a win. This is the best chance that BYU's had to beat Utah. No kidding in like the last five years. Michigan State at home. Brand win. new coach. Win. Go get a win, right? Win. Go get a win. Win. At Arizona State. Toss up. Toss up. Minnesota, they play no defense. Their at, offense is good. At Minnesota. Probably a loss. Yes. Okay. Utah State at home. Win. Two. Missouri at home is intriguing. They've had some issues, right, academically. Didn't make yes. a bowl game. Yes, win. I don't know. Win. Three? Okay. Uh-huh. Houston at home. Win. Northern Illinois. Win. In Bridgeview. Ill- they're te- so they're five and two? They're terrible. Northern Illinois is at not Boise good. Boise State. Loss. San Diego State at home. Toss up. North Alabama live on BYU. Win. And then at Stanford. Toss up. So there's like six in there. And there's eight in there, but there's also like a five-win scenario in there, right? Hopefully is better than we think. 62 stinks. It's probably fair, given how BYU ended and what they bring back. But I hope BYU is in the top 40. Now the That's key, the goal, top 40. The key for BYU to start five and two is, five and two. is wow. all about winning the first game. Hit it! Countdown to the Utes. 198 days away, BYU at Utah on Thursday night, September 3rd. Can run DHC, Devontae Henry Cole, be the guy? Can, can the former Ute, Zach Wilson, fan, and the former Ute, literally, Devontae Henry Cole, lead the Cougars to win over the Utes? In Salt Lake City. This team over <laughs> this team. Yes. <laughs> Oh, back to our question of the day. And BYU basketball is the center of that. 26 days until Selection Sunday. Is it 26? 26. We're getting close, man. What seed will BYU have and why? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response in from Mr. Notham on Twitter. BYU will be a five seed after beating the Zags in one of their two meetings before Selection Sunday and winning all their other matchups. That's best-case scenario for me. Yeah. If BYU gets two more quad one wins, that'd be nice because right now BYU has the fewest of the top 36 in net. BYU only has two. Now, that could change and become three if St. Mary's climbs into the top uh, 30, right? That'd be nice, The, uh, the home win. But two is kind of low. So it would be nice if BYU added two more. If, but if BYU beats St. Mary's, the home win is not going to be quad one, but the neutral will. Yes. BYU will make that a non-quad one win at home because they beat St. Mary's, and they will push them down in net. Yeah, and even better, if St. Mary's is top 30, then the Cougars would have 
potentially four quad but one. What wins. I'm saying is, if BYU beats them in Vegas, BYU will probably push St. Mary's out of the top. 10. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so the yeah, yeah, so yeah, the yeah. does that make sense? I follow. Yeah. So the neutral win would be one, and you go from just there. have another. Have three. Three'd be great. I will have another when they cut like at Olive Garden. They come around with the breadsticks. Yes, I will have another St. Mary's. That sounds good. You want to go there for lunch? Yeah. <laughs> I got kind of a busy day, but yeah, let's go. Let's do it, man. I'm, I'm down. Let's do it. Coming up next, ESPN's Jay Billis joins us for the second time this season. What's the highest seed he could see BYU getting? Plus his grooming advice for Jonathan Tavernari. <laughs> Don't gouge the eyes. This is BYU Sports Nation. That's grooming advice? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Watch BYU basketball with Mark Pope tonight. 8 Eastern on the BYU TV app is Coach Pope, Gregor Brown, Dalton Nixon. Recap the two-win week. Preview games against Santa Clara and Gonzaga. Plus a new deep blue on Trevin Nell, who had a childhood accident that almost cost him his basketball career. Tonight, 8 Eastern on the app. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. We are pleased to welcome longtime college basketball analyst and insider for ESPN, Duke alumnus and former fifth-round NBA draft pick, and don't you forget it, Jay Billis on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Jay, great to have you back on the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Let's start with your Twitter response to Jonathan Tavernari last week about rejoining the Bald Brethren, complete with the infamous eye-gouging picture. We have to put JT in timeout occasionally, so that was an appreciated post. Yeah, I just don't know why he would want to leave the Brotherhood and go over to the dark side and have hair on that melon. That just doesn't seem like the right move to me when he was uh, so much better looking uh, with uh, with the bald head. Not that he's good looking at all, but he was better. <laughs> he shaved his head at BYU, and everyone's like, "What's going on?" So yeah, he's bad. I yeah, decision making. I don't know what's going on. Um, Let's talk about the, uh, I guess, the news with BYU yesterday as BYU cracks the top 25. Not a metric used in the tournament resume, but something BYU hasn't done since Jim Fredette played here in 2011. So what do you think that means for BYU hoops right now, being number 23 in the eight people? Well, it means they're a good team. And I think, uh, you know, I got a chance to watch them for, for, uh, you know, four or five days out in Maui, watch them practice and then uh, watch them play in person. And that was without Yoli Childs. He was that ridiculous suspension for the NCAA for, you know, having the audacity to go for a job interview. Um, but, you know, I was really impressed with the way they play. They've got a number of different shot makers. They've got guys that can handle it, uh, play on the perimeter. They move the ball and they're, they're good cutters, but they've got, they've got so many guys that can stretch you. And so you can knock down that many threes. It opens up cuts. It opens up drives. And then, uh, I think Jake Toulson's one of the best shot makers in the country. Uh, now with Child's back, um, you know, it gives them a, an inside presence. Uh, so they're really what I would consider a complete team. ESPN's Jay Billis with us on BYU Sports Nation. You mentioned Maui, and you spent some time with Yoli Child specifically. What kind of impression did he leave you with? One, he's just a really nice man, and he is a man. Uh, we tend to call these players kids, and they're, they're all adults. But, but he's a, uh, just a, a great young, young man. And uh, he's got a terrific sense of who he is. And then he's also an outstanding player. Uh, but I think both those things are related, that uh, he's a great teammate and uh, wasn't sitting there. Like, I was more upset about his situation than he was. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. he, was he was you know, he was ready to move on. Just, there was nothing he could do about it. I thought there was plenty I could do about it, which was complain about a ridiculous situation that was created by the NCAA for no reason. 
but um, you know he handled it incredibly well. He was really supportive of his team and his teammates, and uh, I don't think you're going to find a, a nicer person uh, in anybody's uniform. Last week you wrote about BYU as a Sweet 16 contender. What is it about the Cougs uh, that makes you think that? Well, much of what I said before, they're just so good offensively. I mean, they're not a great defensive team, but they guard. Um, and they're, they, the problem that they have is that they're, it's, they, they're not a great rim-protecting team. Uh, so, you know, they can, be, uh, they can be had a little bit inside the arc, but uh, they're, they're such a good three-point shooting team, um, and they take care of the ball so well, they, they provide themselves extra possessions by not giving the ball up. You know, it's not like they're they're a great offensive rebounding team or anything like that. But they, uh, you know, they do they do a very good job um, on the offensive end and control the game from that standpoint. Uh, they're not going to choke you off defensively, uh, but in the tournament, you know, I think they're going to be able to to knock shots down. And they could do it from multiple positions. It's not like they just got two guys that that make a lot of threes. They've got five or six guys that can that can hit a shot and they can all handle the ball well. So they can they can expose teams that don't have uh, you know multi multi positional defenders and uh, and they play they play really well together. So I think they've got a very good opportunity. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them in the second weekend. Do you feel like seeding matters in terms of uh, for BYU to try and get to a Sweet Sixteen? Because right now for BYU, we're basically praying BYU just doesn't get an eight or nine. Almost anything else would be way better than that, right? Avoiding a potential one in the second round. Yeah, that's that's kind of the issue. Is you know you you want the best seed possible, but then there are certain seeds where uh, it's crushing. You'd rather get a ten uh, uh, than a than an eight or nine. But uh, you know the the one thing that that you can't control is where you're seated, so it's not worth worrying about. Um, you know, I think what what BYU just wants to do is keep playing, and fans can worry about it if they want to. I always love it when when fans will come up and say, "Hey, you know." Uh, should I be nervous? And I'm going, you can be nervous if you want to. Um, that's <laughs> because how you can be drunk if you want to. How you feel isn't going to have any bearing on the outcome of the game. That's our like, audience, uh, Jay. Players, yeah, it's how the players feel. Uh, yeah, I always, I always thought, I'm ready for this game. Well, it really doesn't matter if you're ready. It matters if they're ready. Uh, I, I always enjoy that one. Um, but you know, look, there's nothing anybody can do about that. That's going to be decided by the committee. And, and then the first day or two after the committee decides, we'll all complain about the decisions we don't agree with. But when we get to Thursday, everybody's got to play and all those things go away. Uh, you don't worry about it as much. ESPN's Jay Billis on BYU Sports Nation. Right now, your colleague Joe Lunardi is projecting BYU as a number six seed in his latest bracketology. What's the realistic ceiling for this BYU team on the seeding line? I, I think I think in the in the five range that that's probably going to be where it winds up if you look at all the metrics. But you know, all these things now are based upon if it ended today, and it doesn't end today. So if if BYU, you know whether or not BYU beats Gonzaga, that's really the the thing that that is going to move the needle. So if BYU is able to beat Gonzaga uh, at home and then can turn around and get to the final of the tournament, maybe beat Gonzaga again, that would that would greatly enhance the, the resume that that's really all that's left uh is is don't slip on banana peels and and see if you can knock off the big shot in in your league uh, other than that there aren't a lot of high value targets left on the schedule 
How do you see Gonzaga? Seven dudes averaging 10-plus. They're number two in the country. It's going to be a great environment. First ranked matchup between these two on Saturday night on ESPN2. Uh, how do you assess the Zags at this point? Ridiculously good. Um, they may <laughs> not be quite as good def- defensively as, as they've been in, in some past years, but they've got so many playmakers. Uh, you know, Corey Kispert's a, uh, an excellent player that can really score, and he's strong, can put it on the deck. And I'm a big believer in their guard, Ryan Woolridge, who transferred in from North Texas. He, he's a stud. Uh, Joel Ayayi can, can really rebound from the guard position. And, you know, I know Killian Tilly's not completely healthy, so I don't know if he plays or not. If he plays, uh, that adds a different dimension to their team because he's a you know, magnificent passer. But uh, uh, Philip Petrusev is, is one of the, I'd say, handful of the very best big guys in the country and uh, very difficult to deal with. Um, so they've got, they've got everything. Um, they may not be quite as good as the team that they had in, I think, 2017 that went to the title game and lost in North Carolina, but they're not far off of that offensively. Uh, they, they just don't have the same kind of uh, rim protection as they had then with Zach Collins and, and Karnowski, who protected the entire lane. Uh, but they're, they're legit. They're, they're really good, and they're, they're, this year they're, uh, I think, as good as anybody, uh, especially offensively. They, they score 85 falling out of bed. They're, they're really good. Jay, BYU will host one of those banana peel games on Thursday against an improved Santa Clara game, and then, of course, the massive showdown with second-ranked Gonzaga on Saturday what kind of chance do you give BYU to beat the Zags in front of 19,000 fans at the Marriott Center? Much better than if they had 17,000 or 12,000. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, that's a great place to play, and it's a difficult place for any opponent. So, you know, winning at home is a, a, a big test. You know, you have to, when winning on the road is difficult, and especially winning, you know, winning at Gonzaga proved to be extraordinarily difficult. Uh, you know, when you get when you get the the league champ on your home floor, you have to, have to take a swing at them and, and knock them out. And BYU is capable of it, but uh, but they're going to have to to play their best, I think. In Maui, you walked on the beach and chatted with Yoli Childs. <clears throat> we were wondering if you wanted to follow that up with perhaps a, a go on the slopes in Park City or something. Is that something <laughs> you're interested in? As long as I can snowplow down the hill, I'd be fine. I haven't skied <laughs> since I was a little kid. And uh, and I don't like to be cold, so those are you know two things kind of <laughs> cut against skiing for me. I don't think it's going to work out. Yeah, okay. The be- the beach it is. Uh, we'll finish with this, Jay. In your opinion, does the West Coast Conference deserve three bids in the 2020 NCAA tournament? I don't know. That's a, that's a hard one, just because of who else is going to be in the mix. If there's going to be a year where multiple bids come out of the league, this is the one. Um, you're talking about BYU, St. Mary's, and. Uh, and Gonzaga, right? Yeah. Yeah. BYU uh, is in. Um, I think Gonzaga is in. St. Mary's is the is the other question. And it's just a, to me, this year, so the narrative has been this year that anybody can win on a given day, that, that we've got parity out there and uh, there's nobody that's separated and all that stuff, which I don't think is true. I think teams have separated. You know, B- Baylor hadn't, has lost one game. That's separation. Uh, and Gonzaga's lost one game. That's separation. But um, if if you go with this theory that anybody can win on a given day, then my question is, all right, how many given days have you had? And if you haven't had a lot of given days against some of the teams that have had a lot of given days, then uh, you're probably not going to be uh, in line to make the tournament field. And the problem that, that uh, you know, sort of the at-larges have 
is that a number of spots are taken up by automatic qualifiers that frankly aren't very good. And, and that's just the nature of the tournament. They take the, the league champions of these leagues that just don't have great competition in them. And so we're, you know, frankly, we don't have the 68 best teams in the tournament every year. We have, uh, you know, the, the 40 best teams plus a, a number of other teams that, that are given, you know, sort of an e-ticket into the, into the field. And some people think that's great. I don't have a problem with it, but, uh, but I know better teams are being left out so that, that you know, these, these smaller conferences that, that frankly don't have as good of teams can have a, a game on championship week that, that, that seems exciting. Jay, it's great to have you on the show again. We know how busy you are. And uh, just to let you know, Jonathan Tavernari says he will shave his head if BYU makes the NCAA tournament. So we've got that going for us. Yeah, that's, that's well, that, then he's going to do it. It's just a question of when. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Thanks, guys. Jay Billis on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Always great to have Jay on the show. I think, what, second time this season and uh, has great insight. Matter of fact, just straight up. Calling it how it is, his opinion, I, I can appreciate that candor. Yeah, one of the prominent voices in college basketball. And uh, it's, yeah. it's great to have rest of, rest of the show's downhill from here. Except <laughs> we have good content that's going to be awesome. Coming up, one of the most successful Cougar coaches is stepping down. And apparently Georgia Hoops fans are Cougar Hoops fans. An explanation on all of that next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Number 23 men's basketball hosts Santa Clara Thursday night. Coverage begins at 8 Eastern on BYU Radio and the app. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. It is time that we whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. BYU's up to a sixth seed in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology on ESPN. Cougars slated to play Cincinnati. Gonzaga's a 1, St. Mary's is a 9. Other opponents, San Diego State, Houston, Kansas, and Utah State, all in the bracket. Cougars host Santa Clara, as mentioned, Thursday night. Baseball. Surprise! BYU upsets number 25, Oregon State. Yeah! 4-3 in Surprise, Arizona, yesterday. The Cougars were down 3-1 in the 7th for taking the lead on a hit-by-pitch from sophomore Zach Peterson. Freshman pitchers Cutter Clawson, Bryce Robinson, McKay Johnson closed things out in the 8th and ninth innings. BYU 2-2. Two and two. After the opening four games of the weekend, next up, four games at Cal Poly starting Thursday and more frequent flyer miles for Jason Shepard. Volleyball. Except he's missing the Gonzaga game, which is a bummer. I know he would love to be here, right? Cougars still second in the latest ABCA poll. BYU host Concordia Irvine Thursday, 9 Eastern on BYU TV. Football. ESPN's Football Power Index has BYU at number 62, Whoa. nestled in between Louisiana, Lafayette, and Arizona. Laughable. <laughs> Cougars play five teams in the FBI Top 50 this season, beginning with Utah at number 24 in exactly 198 days. Golf. The women's team is in third after two rounds in Vegas at the Rebel Beach Intercollegiate. Anik Hakskiewicz is tied for ninth to lead the team. Final round today. Jerem, let's hit the BYU NCAA Tournament resume update. In the net rankings. BYU holding steady at number 23. And as we discussed earlier, that is the most important metric of all metrics. That's the sorting tool. As cool as it is to be ranked in the AP Top 25 and have validation from national writers, the net rankings matter most. BYU is still number 23. KPI, 
BYU. We don't mention KPI. We don't care. Okay, skipping. Strength of record, <laughs> still at number 29. Yep. In the basketball power next, BYU drops two spots from 17 to 19. This is from yesterday to today, updating the state. The Ken Palm's the same, Sagarin down three. So BYU slips just a touch by not playing. Uh, some teams in action on Monday and getting a boost uh, with winning. You look at the team sheet, uh, BYU 2-4 and four in quad ones, 3-3 three and three in quad two, still 15-0 and oh in quad three and four. BYU has two quad three left, Santa Clara, and then at Pepperdine, quad one with Gonzaga Saturday. So an opportunity for BYU to boost the resume on Saturday should BYU win the game. Two-point margin is what Ken Palm says BYU and Gonzaga is. But Santa Clara first, obviously. I am a little afraid that is trappish Thursday because BYU is hearing about Gonzaga from people like me saying, oh, it's going to be the yes. close thing since San Diego State in 2011. This is a veteran senior group, though, that I think at home is not going to lose to a Santa Clara team that started 14-2 and but has really struggled since. They have grinded some really important wins, and this time it's without Dalton Nixon. Right, out a couple of weeks. That one hurts. So BYU is going to have to be for real on upset alert against yes. Santa Clara on Thursday. I do think for BYU to get to where we're talking about, can they be a six-seed or better? They've got to get another quad one win. And maybe it's St. Mary's, like you mentioned, neutral in Vegas. on semifinal sure. Monday in, in 20 days from now. But a win over Gonzaga would really ensure that BYU avoids an 8-9. If BYU beats Gonzaga, they are not going to be in an 8-9. Our good friend Bracket Matrix has BYU in all 94 of today's featured brackets. Of course. The average seed for BYU, a 7.45. That's up from a 7.6 yesterday. The high is a 5 seed, thanks to GeorgiaBasketballBlog.com. We're giving a lot of free pub to websites with this. Georgia peaches. <laughs> the low is an 11 they, seed. They paying for this. An 11 seed, and the 11 comes from BracketProfit.com. Is that a BYU fan? <laughs> And why an 11 seed? Come on. I'm telling you, it'd be fun to talk to these clowns. Hey, why is it an 11? Justify it. Let's go. Coming up, top five Tuesday featuring Yoli Child's best games this season. And after 19 national championships, our next guest is calling it a career. Hashtag Cougarettes winning. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday night, number two men's volleyball hopes to keep the season undefeated. 13-0 so far. They host Concordia Irvine. Coverage begins at 9 Eastern on BYU TV. Does BYU volleyball have a chance to have the best overall start to their season, whether it's rally or not, this season? Yeah, of course. Like any, any season where they When do they play Hawaii, I guess is my real question. Like what what while we're in those? Las Vegas for the WCC oh, that's tournament right. in March. Wouldn't that be something? They're like two and a half weeks out from that. Okay. Yeah. It's like a Thursday and Friday, I think. You know who understands yep. a lot about winning, Jerem? I, I do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Our, our next guest. Mm-hmm. Joining us in Studio B, and we are so glad to have her back, Jody Maxfield, longtime Cougarettes coach and the pride of Hillcrest High School. Jody, welcome <laughs> back. You're a, you're a Husky? <laughs> I'm a Husky. Nice. No Huskies. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, you, and you started your dance uh, career in high school, became a Cougarette at BYU in the late yeah. 70s, and have just yeah. like sprinted. Why, why you got to date it like that? Sprinted then. She looks fabulous, does yes, she not? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. She's fabulous. Thank you. And, and you guys know the right things to say. <laughs> Thank you. You're retiring, which is big news with yeah. the Cougarettes, right? Yeah, I guess you would call that big news. 19 national championships that you have coached. So, yeah, we're, we're going to term that big news that you're leaving the program. <laughs> what, what went into the decision of, okay, 2020 is going to be the final year? 
You know, I can't say there was any one thing. 30 years is a long time to um, focus on something. And I just felt like it was time to let my family have some of my time. So that's pretty much the decision. When did you decide that after competing and dancing yourself that you wanted to stay with this? Like what, what happened? What switched in your mind? You're like, I, I don't want to leave dancing. Yeah. You know, I think I, dancing's in my blood. It's something I've done my entire life. And when I came to BYU and I was a cougarette myself, I fell in love with the program. More importantly, I fell in love with the sisterhood. I felt it. And I came back and did choreography before I was asked to come and apply for the job and then was given the job. And since then, it's just been something that I am really passionate about. I have loved challenging myself and challenging my dancers to see what we could accomplish, you know, how high we could push the bar and lift the bar. I don't know the history of the Cougarettes. Can you describe kind of, okay, back when, what was it versus what it is now? Yeah, the Cougarettes have been around for 74 years. <laughs> so the 50s, yeah. somewhere around 1946 is when okay. they started, 46. yeah. Yeah, and I've been a coach for 30 of those 74 years, so that's a lot of years to be a part of that. When are you writing your book? <laughs> when I get a few hours to myself. <laughs> what was it like 30 years ago? Because I, I, I bet it was very different from what it yeah, is Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, it was starting to become more of a dance team. When I was a cougarette, it was strictly marching in formations. I mean, we danced as well, but that was primarily what we did. And when it was first organized, it was kind of something to just give um, young coeds something to be a part of, to cheer for the cougars and all of that. So you can see it's evolved greatly since then. I think it has done wonders for the brand of the school and the brand of the religion. Um, yeah. Because when people see the cougarettes, they go, oh, they one, they can dance. Some yeah. people think, oh, Mormons, they're weird. No, no, no. Look how yeah. normal we are, right? And <laughs> right. in fact, progressive in terms of, yeah, it's hip hop and it's cool, right? So when did you decide... Hey, we need to be, uh, I guess, progressive and, and, and use popular music and stuff like that. Sure. Um, you know, I think with the um, introduction of competition, we started competing in um, 1996, and we won our first title in 1997. And I think it really has been something that we have seen um, on and or over and over and over again that, you know, we really do represent the very best um, of BYU and of the LDS Church. And who would think that the Mormon school can win in hip hop? And in fact, that's what I'm have, saying. We have you six hip hop titles. Perception. Yeah, right? we've shattered perception. Well, yep. and people need to understand something. There are several different levels that you can compete at mm -hmm. across the collegiate dancing. BYU is competing in the top division, the Absolutely. ND. I mean, it is the best of the best. So these national championships, you know, other schools are like, oh, we've won all of these. The, to me, it's like, you know, those aren't as good as the real thing. BYU You're the Clemson. You're the, the Alabama yes. of, of uh, that competition, well, right? At what point were you like, we need to be the best of the best, and we're going to compete at the highest level? You know, I think that that's always been my philosophy. I mean, there's, there's no um, – reason to compete in anything other than the very highest. I feel like we've got the very best dancers. The dancers that I'm blessed to have on the Cougarettes are, they're kind of the same as I am. We have the same types of personalities. We strive to be the best we can be. They want to be pushed. They want to be challenged. And, you know, in everything that they do, in fact, we're working right now to win titles 20 and 21 and we've got two amazing routines and the girls are ready. They're up to the task. 
I don't want to offend any other uh, schools or dance groups, but when they, and we see all of them like at different tournaments and games, when they come out, I go, that's really nice. <laughs> when the Cougarettes We're come so out, spoiled. everyone stops and watches. It is must-see uh, for people. I guess, I guess uh, how, do you, how do you quantify the pride you take in, you know what, this is a showstopper. When, when yeah. the girls go out, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is. I mean, people look forward to seeing our time out at basketball games. Obviously, our routines with Cosmo have been viral many times over, and um, I think we have more followers than any other collegiate dance team by tens of thousands. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we really are liked and followed and watched and, you know, by people all over the world. And it, it's really quite, um, quite special to be able to say that. BYU and the Cougarettes head to Daytona Beach, Florida, to compete for potential titles 20 and 21. Um, but that's not, that's not the end no. for, for the Cougarettes or, or for you. I mean, you've you got some big things coming. Yeah. Yeah. Before I retire, we are headed to Daytona Beach to compete at nationals in jazz and hip-hop again. So we're hoping for titles 20 and 21. And then we are just um, able to announce that we were, for the second year in a row, selected as the U.S. national team. Last year, we went and competed in the hip-hop division. We took second behind Japan, who is incredible. And we felt really proud of our placing there. This year, we'll be going in in jazz. So I think it really speaks to how versatile and um, how amazing these girls are, that they can do it all. That's awesome. Congratulations. Representing stuff. the U.S. again. That's yep. awesome. Well, we know that you're going to miss these occasional visits to Studio B. Uh, <laughs> or you had enough, and that's why you're retired. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Like, I'm, I'm done with that. All kidding aside, uh, congratulations Thank on just you. a fabulous career. Thank it's you so uh, It's much. been an incredible run. And, and I'm serious when I discuss the effect on the brand. I think it's been really meaningful for the church and BYU. Thank so, you. Well done. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, Jody. Can't wait to watch. We're booking our tickets to Daytona yeah, in wait, April. Uh, this just in. Uh, ben Bagley, we're going to Florida. Uh, <laughs> coming up. Coming up, who gets today's rising shout-outs? Plus, it's a top five Tuesday. This is BYU Sports Nation. Yoli's almost as good as Jody. This segment of BYU Sports Nation, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on a Tuesday. What a show. If you missed it, download the podcast. Jeremy's going to remind you to do that in just a second as well. You can always subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you choose to get those podcasts. Download the apps. They're free. BYU TV, BYU Radio. It is time for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. We are discussing the Top 5 Yoli Child's Games of the Year. In at number 5. Yoli leads BYU to a 30-point win over Weber State. His most efficient game of the season thus far, 28 points on 11 of 13 shooting. He had eight rebounds in that dominant victory. This was during Christmas break. This could have been a sleepy game. No, he started a perfect, what, 10 for 10 or something, 8 for 8 in the first half, and then BYU uh, blows out Weber State. That was really, really efficient. Number four, at San Diego. On Saturday, Childs didn't have his best game statistically, a solid 17-7, and seven, but his game winner was a big shot in alley-oop where he is 14 feet away when the ball is thrown. And it wasn't that one. It would come right here. Oh. Boom! The game winner, and BYU beat San Diego. Survived 72-71. He was in foul trouble, and he was still effective in limited minutes. At number three in Salt Lake City, Yoli Childs turns in a huge double-double to propel the Cougars to a quadrant one victory over rival Utah State. 20 points, 10 rebounds, his third straight game with the double-double, and currently his only game with a 20-point double-double. 
this was a big win. A rivalry game. Utah State was a top 25 team a couple of weeks before. Kind of fallen from that perch. BYU clearly the best team in the state despite a loss to Utah, which we'll get to in a second. But this was a big win. And the only child's with some big defensive plays down the stretch. Number two. On to number two. After a nine-game suspension, as mentioned, Childs played extremely well at Utah. His first shot was a three. What? We're like, okay, (laughs) he's back. 29 points in 25 minutes. He was pacing for 40. This was going to be his greatest game at BYU. Unfortunately, cramped up. BYU lost in overtime. But Yoli was so good in this game. 29 points before cramping up. He tried to come back. He didn't throw down hard here, and I thought, wait, why not? Maybe maybe the Cavs are cramping up a little bit even then. Ugh! It still hurts, but that was an incredible performance. Bought two loss. Yep. Numero uno in a vengeance tour against the San Francisco Dons. They had no answer for Yoli as he helped the Cougars earn a big home victory in decisive fashion. Yoli one point short of his career high, season high, 32 points. BYU beats the Dons. Another 30-pointer from Yoli. He had a few more of these last year. He's he's uh, been a, more of an unselfish player. Sometimes he's a single-digit point scorer in BYU wins. Sometimes he's a 30-point scorer in BYU wins. It's good to have a lot of awesome weapons, isn't it? It's good to have the best player on the court, and Yoli Childs uh-huh. typically is. Our question of the day. 26 days until Selection Sunday, what seed will Yoli Childs and BYU have and why? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at Cosmo D. Cougar on Twitter. If I had to guess, and I do, I'm going to go with a six. Something weird is going to happen. I can feel it in me bones. I hope that happens. That'd be great. Today's rise and shoutouts. Mine goes to the three freshman pitchers who closed out the game against Oregon State. They had no fear, man. Cutter Clausen, Bryce Robinson, and McKay Johnson did the deal. McKay Johnson, great picture of him screaming after the win. My rise and shout-out goes to Jonathan Tavernari for agreeing to shave his head when BYU gets into the NCAA tournament and keeping his head shaved as long as the Cougars are running through the bracket. Oh, what a sacrifice. Well, I mean, he got called up by Jay Billis. He wants to join the bald brethren again. Well, he's going to because BYU's going to be in the tournament. Our thanks to today's you guests, Jay Billis, no, <laughs> and Jody Maxfield. Trust me, it's for the better of both of us. We'll get there. Sorry to Dennis Spitta. We ran out of time. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYU. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to James. What's his name? 2010? I can't, I can't remember. For dead? No, not J- okay. James Taft for dead. <laughs> Anderson.